You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. sitting listening to Kelsey. Can we just thank Kelsey? Um, She just blesses my heart. David called at three o'clock today and Kelsey came to our rescue. (laughs) Um, And so uh, we are just so thankful for her and for the gift that she has. As I was sitting listening to her tonight, I just really felt like the Lord wanted me to read a scripture. And I believe it's for someone. It's completely off my sermon, but I I feel strongly that this is for somebody that you need to know that he created you for love. And, And not love necessarily for you just to give, but he created you, precious one, to be loved by him. His unfailing love, his love is unfailing. Do, do you understand that the loves of this world, no matter how good they are, will always fail you? His love is unfailing. And he created you for that love. And, and would you receive it tonight? Would you receive it instead of running from it, looking in all the wrong places for it? He created you. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Can I, can I just tell you that he knows you? He knows everything you've done. He knows everywhere you've been. He knows everything you've had to endure. He knows you. He knows when you sit and when you rise. He perceives your thoughts from afar. He discerns your going in, your going out, and your lying down. He's familiar with all your ways. He, he knows you. He knows your quirky uh, idiosyncrasies. He, he, he knows that you do things that you wish you hadn't done. He, he knows that you're sorry for the things that, that you wish you didn't do, and he knows you. He's familiar with all of your ways. Before a word is on your tongue, he knows it completely. He, he knows what you're going to say before you ever say it. He hems you in behind and before. He has laid his hand upon you. You don't need to fear. He's hemmed you in behind and before, and his mighty, powerful hand is upon you. Such knowledge, the writer says, is is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. He says, where can I go from your spirit, O Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Can can I tell you that I've made my bed in the depths? I've lived my life making my bed in the depths. I, I wish I hadn't. But can I tell you that even when I was in the depths of despair, even when I was in the depths of sin, he was there. Do you just love that? Does anybody love that besides me? If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, Lord. Your right hand, your hand of power will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, 
Lord, it's dark. I'm scared. I feel like I can't even see you, Lord. And the light will become night around me. Even the darkness is not dark to him. Can, can I tell you that even the darkness, your darkest moment, is not dark to him? The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, Lord. For you created my inmost being. He created your inmost being. He knit you together in your mama's wombs. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. His works are beautiful. His works in you are beautiful. You're not a mistake. Can I tell you that you are not a mistake? Somebody needs to hear me. I know he led me to this psalm for a reason. You are not a mistake. You might have made some mistakes, but you, dear one, are not a mistake. He knit you together. He created you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. It doesn't matter how much you've messed it up, how much you've misstepped. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. Your frame was not hidden from him when you were made in the secret place, when you were woven together in the depths of the earth. His eyes saw your unformed body, and all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. Do you understand how known you were? That before one of your days ever came to be, before your mama and daddy ever thought about you, he knew you, and he has a plan for your life. How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, you are still with me. He will never leave you. He, he will never forsake you. He will never, ever relax his hand on you. You are sheltered. Sheltered from the destroyer. Because he's around. He is mighty to save. Whatever you are going through, whatever you're having to endure, my God is mighty to save. I, I don't say that because I studied it. I don't say that because it's the, the religious thing to save or to say. Can I just tell you that my God is mighty? To save. I, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you are enduring. I don't care how big the obstacle is around you. My God is mighty to save. And his arm, precious one, is not too short that it cannot save. He is with you like a mighty warrior. And if God be with you, who in their right mind can be against you? Do you understand who you are? Do you understand who you are? Father, we want to understand who we are. Show us, Lord. You've created us. You know us better than anybody, Lord. You formed us. You squeezed us to shape us. Oh, Lord, the world has told us we're one thing, and you've said another, and Lord, the world's voice is so loud, and I pray that tonight, Lord, that ears would be anointed to hear how precious they are in the sight of you, that you have set your affections upon them, and that you are Emmanuel, God with them. You're not going to leave them even when they leave you. <laughs> Thank you that you're here tonight, Lord. 
I pray, Father, that you would just move in and out of these rows and that you would minister to your people, Lord, that they would feel your hand upon them. I'm asking, Lord, that that this would not just be another night that we get together for Bible study. Lord, I'm asking that, that we just encounter your presence like we've never encountered it before. Lord, give us a sense of the holy in this place tonight. When I read the Bible, Lord, everywhere you went, you went about doing good and healing all the sick and casting out demons. You had compassion on everybody you met. And Lord, I pray that tonight in this place, you who say you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, would heal the sick, cast out demons, have compassion and mercy, and lead us, Lord, in the way of everlasting, I pray. Open up your word to us, Lord. I pray that the veils would fall off eyes tonight, the scales would be removed, and that people would see your word like they've never seen it before. Oh, anoint our ears to hear your precious voice calling. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have to tell you that uh, I had been working on my sermon last week and I had been taking notes and in a notebook. I have probably a zillion of these in my closet and, and I've got about five of them going at one time. And, and I had taken notes in the center of one of my notebooks and I, I really had pretty much had enough notes to put my sermon together this weekend. And then when I went to get my notes this weekend, I could not find them anywhere. I, I, I ransacked my house looking for them last night and today. And I, I couldn't find them anywhere. And I was like, Lord, what are we going to do, buddy? Because I just got to tell you, I can't remember anything that I wrote in those notes. And, and I feel like you spoke it to me. And why would you hide them from me? And, and I cannot still find my notes. And so we're going to fly by the seat of our pants. Because we've got a great driver with us, don't we? We've got a great, we, got a great pilot with us. And so, Lord, I thank you that you know what you're going to say in this place tonight, because I'm not sure I do, and so be big, and let me hear you. We're going to actually finish Psalm 91 tonight, yay! <laughs> For those of you that are with us, we've been in Psalm 91 since September, and, and it's been a wonderful study, but we are finished. I am a narrative teacher. I love to teach the narratives. I, I love to make application, to take a story from the Word of God and show you how you can apply that to your life and, and, and that the Lord can change you. And I, I love to teach narratives. And so it's been challenging for me to be in Psalm 91, but it's been a wonderful wonderful experience and but tonight we're going to finish it when when we come back from the cruise we'll hit hard and we'll start just uh, going back to just a different story every week and we won't do a series at least I don't think we will <laughs> but Psalm 91 verse 15 and 16 I, I love what um, Kelsey just sang I call you answer and you came to my rescue and I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are, Lord, because I know that when I call, you will answer. And you will come to my rescue. Oh, precious ones, can I just tell you, are you in trouble? Call. Because I promise you, he will answer. Uh, I love the scripture that says, in my anguish, I cried out to the Lord. I called. 
and he answered me by setting me free. Do you need to be free tonight? Call. He'll answer you by setting you free. There's another scripture that says, I called unto the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. Are you filled with fear and anxiety tonight? Call. He'll answer. He will answer you. And that's what we see in Psalm 91, verse 15. He says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him, and I will show him my salvation. That, that's God speaking. It's God's promises to us. But remember, we're studying a conditional psalm here. The condition is based on verse 1 there, where he says that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. It's, a, it's conditioned, this whole passage is conditioned on us getting to the shelter of the Most High. That means putting ourselves in a place to hear from God. It means dwelling in His presence, living with, a, with, a, with an awareness of His presence, talking to Him in prayer all the time, spending time in His Word. You say, Rhea, that's impossible. I have a life I need to live. Live your life talking to Him. I was standing at my kitchen sink doing my dishes yesterday and I'm having a conversation with the Lord while I'm having one with Dave and with Kendall. You can do that. Just stay in that secret place of the Most High. Stay in His presence. I was talking to Beverly the other day and, and she said, Rhea, I just was at a place where I was, in, I was out in the, the kitchen and I was talking to the family and she said, I just heard him calling me and she said, I just had to dismiss myself from the family and go kneel down beside my bed and just get with him because I knew he was summoning me. He wants you with him. He wants intimacy, connection with you. He does not want to be this far off, distant God. You see, that's what religion has made him. Uh, religion has made him a uh, God who you, you just visit on Sunday morning and you check it off your list. I did this. Oh, dear ones, can I just tell you it's so much more. It's so much more. You can dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And you can be protected by Him, watched over by Him. The enemy can't touch you in that place. But you see, what we've done is we've dumbed down God. I taught this weekend. Uh, where were we? Stevens, we were at Stevens Point this weekend, and, and I taught uh, about how we've dumbed down God. We've made him be a God in our own name. We've made him be a God who we can keep in a box, a God who we can figure out, oh, can I tell you that my God is so much bigger than that? Anybody know how big our God is? You see, some of you are telling God how big your problems are. Yo, you've got to start telling your problems how big your God is. Do you know how big he is? And he has set his affection on you. He actually wants to be with you. He's mindful of you. Oh, do you just love that? Before a word is on your lips, he knows it completely. That's how much he loves you. The very hairs on your head are numbered by him. Every tear you've ever cried, he's kept in a bottle. That's how priceless they are to him. If you think that your need is going unmet, that he doesn't hear your cry, that he's not paying attention to your need, oh, dear one, can I tell you, he cares so much that every tear you've cried, he's kept in a bottle. 
find a lover like that someplace else. Uh, good luck. Do you know my Jesus? I don't just mean, do you know about him? I know about Barack Obama. Can I, can, can I tell you, I know his wife's name. I know, his, I know about his family. I know his dog's name. I know where he lives. I know what he does, but I don't know Barack Obama. Do you see the difference? You can know about God, but I want to talk to you tonight about whether or not you know God. I know Dave so well. Dave is my husband. I know him so well that when he calls me, I know his voice. When he calls me, he doesn't even have to say, hey, baby, how are you? All he can do is clear his, clear his throat, and I'm like, oh, it's him. Because I know him. I'm intimate with him. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to know him so well that when he calls, when he whispers, when he clears his throat, we're like, hey, God, how are you, buddy? What do you want to do? Now that's exciting. Corey Tin Boom used to say, she'd get up every morning and she'd say, reporting for God, for duty, God. Do you know him like that? Or do you just know him as a Sunday morning God who's there, who maybe can save you from hell? I'm telling you, that is boring, mundane, mediocre religion. He wants you to know that he knows you by name. If you go to the, the highest heights or the lowest depths, he's there with you. He's not going to leave you. That he absolutely formed you in your mama's womb. That all the days ordained for you. You know, when I was going through this, this big cancer scare, all I could think is, Lord, I just believe that every day that you've ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I believe in healing. If you're not going to heal me and you're going to take me home, well, then so be it because all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. This, the, the enemy of my soul cannot interfere with that. And I will not take my last breath until he says it's your last breath. And see, some of you live in fear of your health. You live in fear of the doctor's report. Can I just tell you how big your God is? All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. He knew exactly what he called you to do. He knew exactly how long you were going to spend here on the earth. Because, oh, can I just tell you that this is not the world we live for? You see, we have forgotten that. We live, I used to live, can I tell you, I lived, what's the word, hedonistic? What is the word where you just live for yourself? It's just, it's all for me, all for me, all for me. What can I do to make, make myself ha happy? What can I do to get pleasure for myself? What can I do to please myself? What can I do to, to you know, me? It's all about me. And, and that's a miserable life. I, I, I'm not saying that because I'm judging you. I'm saying you that because I lived it. I, I lived all for Rhea. Everything. You are in my life for Rhea. And Lord, how can I have a good time today? And, and how can I throw caution to the wind and just live? Live on the wild side. Live on the edge. Can I just tell you that there is no life in that? There is nothing but death in that, and I say it because I lived it, and I'm still cleaning up the messes behind it. There is no life outside of him. I've checked. I've checked everywhere. Only Jesus can give me life. He is the life giver. He is the life giver. And we were not created for this world. 
You are sorely mistaken if you think that this is the world you were created for. If this is it, trust me, I got ripped off. This is nothing. This is a vapor. This is a breath. This is a blink of the eye. You're just passing through this world. The, the Bible says that we are pilgrims here on earth. We were never meant to stay here. We're sojourners. We're pitching a tent and staying here. We were never meant to stay here. This is the tent. This body is the tent. You were never meant for this world. We, the only reason you are put here, does anybody know what the, what the chief end of man is? Anybody? Bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. That's why you're here. To bring glory to God. Lord, how can I bring you glory today? How can I bring you glory today? How can my life make a difference, Lord? Because that's why I'm here. And when I fulfill that, when I fulfill that, that, that purpose, that destiny, you will take me home. Because all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. And as long as we keep living like this world is about us and I have to get every bit of pleasure out of it that I can get out of it, we are going to continue to live a miserable, boring, mundane, painful, selfish life. But when you finally realize that you were knit together, that you were created, that you were formed for a purpose and a plan, and, and that that purpose and that plan, the life doesn't stop here. It just starts when you get to eternity. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been so fascinated about heaven, and maybe it's because of all that I've been through. I, I just feel like I need to start studying heaven, and, and I want to know what it's like, and I want to know what life is going to be. I mean, we know bits and pieces, but I want to know more about heaven. Because we, we fear death. What in the world is that? Why, why do we fear death? Death, where's your sting? He took the sting on the cross of Calvary. There is nothing to fear. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be victorious. And you are going to live the rest of your life, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are going to live without pain, without tears, without heartache. You're going to live whole, complete, nothing broken, nothing missing. Why are we fearing that day? My, my body, oh man, is it, is it the older I get, the more I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, what is that? <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's decaying. It's getting old. And, and the spirit in me is still young and full of life. And, but this body, this tent is decaying. But when he calls me home, I'm going to have a new body, a glorious body. And there's not going to be any garbage, any pain, any heartache in heaven with him. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, oh, precious one, don't leave here. Team, put up your hands. Don't leave here tonight without talking to one of us about Jesus. Let us have the joy the joy of praying with you to receive him as your Lord and Savior, but don't leave here without him because this is not the world you're living for. We need to get prepared for the next one, and that's either heaven or hell. And if you don't know Jesus, guess what? You can continue your glorious party where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and where there's eternal torment. That's what the Bible says. I'm not going there, and neither will you. You don't have to. 
He's prepared a place for you. And he wants you with him. He wants you fulfilling the purpose and the destiny that he has for your life. And so, all of that, Lord, back to Psalm 91, verse 15. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I love Jeremiah 33. I just wrote this down. I want you to just flip over, those of you that have your Bibles, to Jeremiah 33, verse 1 through 3. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet, a prophet of God. Prophets of God didn't have it very easy. Uh, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, if that tells you anything. And uh, he said, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. This is what I want you to see while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, the, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah, I know it's a hard time. I know it's not easy being a prophet. I know you're probably guessing, you're probably questioning what you're doing and if you missed me, but I'm just going to tell you, Jeremiah, if you have any questions, call to me, and I will answer you, and I'm going to tell you great and mighty things that you don't know because you're limited in your knowledge. We see through a glass dimly, but someday we're going to see through it clearly. And so often we make decisions about our life based on what we, what we were looking at in the natural. And he's saying, before you do anything, call on me and I'll answer you because there are great and mighty things that you do not know. But I tell you, if you just call on him, if you seek him in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? Direct your path. Call on him. I promise you he'll answer you. That's his promise to you. I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you don't know. The problem is that we stop calling on him. We, 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 we just get comfortable with life or, or we get absorbed in our problems and we stop calling on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of this universe, the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And we try to do it ourselves. I remember when little Kendall was growing up, she, she was fiercely independent. She still is fiercely independent. And, and, and you know, we have seven children. And, and at that time, they were all at home. And we were, you know, my husband's a pastor. And we would, we would be getting ready for church. And there's this unwritten rule when you're a pastor's wife. You, you don't ever go to church late. And then you don't especially go to church late when you've got seven kids following you in the door. and Because you can't just slip in when you've got seven kids usually punching each other and, and fighting on your way in the door. And, and so we were always late, and I was always get, trying to get them out of the house in a hurry. And one particular morning, uh, we were running behind, and, and I said to one of the kids, get Kendall's coat and shoes and put them on her. And she said, I do myself, Mama. And I said, oh, honey, not today. You're not going to do it yourself. We're late for church, and, and you can do it tomorrow, but today uh, we're going to do it for you. And, and she grabbed her coat and her shoes, and she ducked under the kitchen table, and she said, I do myself, Mama. And I said, no, 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 no. And I sat one of the kids under the table after her, and she darted out the other side and ran up the stairs to her bedroom, and she locked the bedroom door. And here I am pastor's wife, late for church, seven kids to try to get loaded in a van, and I am saying, Kendall, come on, honey, open the door. She said, be right out, mama, I do myself. 
I'll call you if I need you, Mama. I'll do myself. I can't even tell you how many Sunday mornings we went through this battle. And, and every Sunday morning, I would hear her say, I do myself. I could hear God echoing in my head saying, Rhea, listen to her. Doesn't she sound just like you? I do myself, God. Call you if I need you. I do myself. But just like little Kendall, it never would fail. She'd come out the door. Her coat would still be unzipped and her shoes would still be untied because she could not do it herself. She needed me to do it for her. And you know what? We can't do it ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We can't solve our own problems. We can't find our way out of the pit ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. But you know, we live our lives saying, I do myself, God. I got my life under control. I'll call you if I need you. And I think actually it's I'll call you when I mess it up enough that I don't have any choice but to call you. He says, if you just call on me, I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things you don't know. But the problem is, we stop calling. Flip over to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64. I, I love this, this scripture. Isaiah, another prophet. Isaiah 64, verse 7. He says, and there is no one who calls on your name, Lord. No one who stirs himself up to take hold on you. He's talking to the Lord about how miserable the people are and how much trouble they're in. And he's saying, and guess what, God? There's no one who calls on your name and there's no one who stirs himself up to take hold, on, to take hold of you. I just wonder if there's anybody here tonight that stirs themselves up to take hold of him. If there's anybody here that calls upon his name, that word call upon is the exact same word that's used in Psalm 91 where he says, if you call, upon, if you call on my, my name, I will answer you. And calling on his name, we talked about it last week, it means his reputation, his name, his character, who he is, who he promises to be for you. Do you need a provider? Call on his name. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. Do you need a healer? Call on his name. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Do you need a God who's always there? Call on his name. Do you need a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Call on his name. Do you need a deliverer? Call on his name. But the condition is that we call. He says, no one calls on your name and stirs himself up. That word, stir yourself up, I just love it. It means to rouse oneself, to awake, to awaken. Church, we need to awaken. We have, we have gone off to sleep. We've, we're, we're slumbering, we're sleeping, we've nodded off in life. And we need to stir ourselves back to life. It means to incite, to be hot, to be ardent. I wonder if anybody's hot for my Lord. It's the very same word. I find this fascinating. It's the very same word that's used in Deuteronomy 32.11. Now stay with me because this is fascinating to me. He, no one stirs themselves up, he says. That, that word stir is used in 30. In, uh, Deuteronomy 32:11, and, and many of you know this story. It's the story where, where they're talking about the eagle stirring up her nest. Let's just turn over there. Deuteronomy's in the beginning of your Bible. Deuteronomy 32:11. A 
as an eagle stirs up its nest, there's the word, as the eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading its wings, taking them up, carrying them on his wings, so the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God there with him. I just want you to see, as the eagle stirs up his nest, that word stirs, when, when, when Isaiah says, nobody stirs himself up to take hold of you, is that same word that, that's mentioned in Deuteronomy when it says, as an eagle stirs up her nest. You know what happens. Well, when, when baby eaglets are born, uh, they, they, the mother works very hard to get this big, beautiful nest, and, and she's very meticulous in how she builds it. <laughs> And she builds it uh, with, with all of this. It's, 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 a, it's a planned work on her behalf. She doesn't just throw a nest together. But, but what happens is these baby eagles are born, and, and she nurtures them, and she feeds them. But the day comes when those eaglets need to, to learn how to fly. And do you know what she does when it's time for them to fly? She takes her little talons and she reaches down, and she stirs up her nest, and she brings the thorns to the surface. She intentionally put those thorns in there because she knew that the eaglets would get so comfortable in that nest that they would never want to leave. They would never want to soar. Oh, precious ones, can I tell you, it's time for some of you to learn to soar. You've been comfortable for way too long. And as an eagle stirs up its nest, it's time for you to stir yourself to take hold of him. He says, I, I wanted to give you food to eat, but, but you didn't want to. You, you, wouldn't, you weren't ready for food. You wanted milk. Remember, I talked to you about that scripture and how milk is, is the easy uh, spiritual things. It's, it's, the, it's the, the things that God calls us to do that really aren't that hard and, and the, the simple spiritual truths. But he says, I want to give you meat, but, but you're not ready for it. You can only take milk right now. Oh, church, we got to start growing up, stirring ourselves to take hold of him, ready for meat and not for milk. We have eaten milk far too long. An eagle stirs up her nest, and here's the fascinating thing to me. They say baby eaglets will still want to stay in there for a long time. They're a little uncomfortable from those thorns, but they still want to stay there. And so what happens is the mother will take them up to really high height. And you know what she does? She pushes them off the cliff. And then she soars down as they're falling, 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 and she catches them on her wings. Oh, you will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. And <laughs> Where are you hidden in Psalm 91? Under the shelter of his what? Wing. No one calls on the name of the Lord anymore. And no one stirs himself to take hold of you, Lord. That word store, here, stirs, here's the, the absolute coolest thing in the whole wide world. Maybe you won't think this is cool, but remember I told you that I prayed, so I prayed um, Isaiah 50. When I really wanted to seek the Lord and my life was just too busy and I couldn't seem to find time to fit him in, he took me to the scripture that says he wakens me morning by morning and he wakens my ear to hear as one who has learned. The word wakens there, oh, somebody. Somebody just get this with me. The word wakens is stirs. He wakens me. He stirs me to take hold of him. Oh, is that just a good word? Anybody love the word besides me? I just love the word. 
Does that just make you want to dance a little bit? Do you understand the principle there that when he wakens you in the morning, when I truck down to that table to be with him, he is stirring something in me to take hold of him. That word take hold of, it means to tie fast, to bind, to be bound fast. Oh, here's what I love. I told you that I had a liver adhesion, and, and I'm still, Leslie's like, why do you jump around like that? You're, you're, I go home, I'm not, while I'm teaching, I don't mind it, but I go home, and I'm in so much pain, I can hardly stand it. I had an adhesion that my liver was stuck to my abdominal wall, and it was stuck there. It was adhered. It was bound to my abdominal wall, and then my bowel bound itself to the liver. And so I would reach, and I'd be like, I could feel it. And, and every, I was just in such pain. And that thing was not going anywhere. It took a surgeon to get in there and cut that thing loose, to get that. I could have tugged. I could have pulled. I could have done every exercise in the book, and nothing would have broken that liver away from, from the abdominal wall because it was adhered. That's the word. We need to adhere to him. We need to stick like we've never stuck before and nothing is getting us away from him. We are adhered to him. It means to persist, to be constant. Oh, here's what we want. I've got to just sit down for a moment. Here's what we want. We, we, want, to, we want to just seek God with, with my daily devotional. We, we want to take the five minutes that somebody else wrote, that somebody else stirred themselves and took hold of God and wrote for you, which please don't take any condemnation there. If that's all you do, that's great. But, but we want to, to just give him five minutes of our time and read the newspaper. I love Deb's story. She said, Rhea, I would read the newspaper for 45 minutes, but I couldn't find the time to read the good news for 45 minutes. See, we want to, to give him five and take 45 for the newspaper. And then we wonder, oh, we wonder, why our life is in the pit. We wonder why we can't get free. We wonder why we're so miserable and have no joy. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. I lived in that place for a very long time, but I ain't going back there anymore because I have tasted. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, I've tasted. I haven't tasted and seen that he's a dictator. I haven't tasted and seen that he's mean. I haven't tasted and seen that he's cruel. I haven't tasted and seen that he's distant and far off and disconnected. I have tasted and seen that he is good. And his mercies endure forever. He doesn't care what you've done, where you've been, what's been done to you, how long you've stayed away from him. You, you just call on him. And he'll answer you. Just, just take hold of him. Stir yourself so that you can adhere to him. Bind to him. But be persistent and constant, the word means. I'm coming back again, Lord. I didn't hear from you yesterday morning, but I'm coming back here. You see, I went through a time about two weeks ago where I was not hearing from the Lord. I would get up in the morning and the word was dead. I didn't, I couldn't get anything out of it. You know, I got, I just couldn't even tell you. I was like, I was hearing everything else but his voice. And I'd be like, Lord, where are you? I want to hear your voice. I'm homesick for you. I want to hear from you. What are you doing? And for about two weeks, he left me in that place. And, and I was telling Leslie that, that I got up one morning and I just, pulled myself down to the table, and I was like, if I have to come back here every morning and have the word be dead, I'm still coming. 
because I know that when I call on you, you're going to answer me. And I'm waiting for you to answer. And then I got up one morning, and all of a sudden it was like, whoosh. He just spoke, and he downloaded into me. And I am not exaggerating. I'm not lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I got up out of my chair, and I threw myself down on the floor, and I sobbed because I'd heard his voice again. You've got to persist. You've got to be constant. Yes, Lord, I'm coming back every time until I hear your voice. Because I am adhered to you. There's no turning back. But here's my favorite part. That word uh, take hold of means to make firm, to strengthen, to become strong, to be undaunted. And what, what that just says to me is that when I call upon him and I stir myself to take hold of him, I will be made firm, I'll be strengthened, I'll become strong and undaunted. Do you know what the word undaunted means? I looked it up in Webster's. Listen to this. Not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty. Oh. See, some of you are going through a difficult time right now, and it's ruling your life. It's, it's making you miserable. It's stealing your joy. And do you just know that if you just stir yourself to take hold of him, you are not going to be intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. Look it up. It's what it means in Webster's. It means courageously resolute. It means especially in the face of danger to be courageous. <laughs> Undaunted. Strengthened and firm. Okay, go to your bottle if you want. I went to my bottle, and let me just tell you what it got me. A lot of pain and heartache. Shoot up if you want. Go from man to man or woman to woman. Numb yourself in front of a, a computer of pornography. Go to work and work yourself to death if you want. Go shopping, go gamble, do whatever it is that you think you do that brings you life. Or you can stir yourself to take hold of him and you can be strengthened, made firm, stable, and undaunted. Oh, I don't, maybe, maybe just, maybe you like living that way. You see, I lived that way for too long. People say, Rhea, why are you so wild and crazy? Why, why do you have such passion? Can, can I tell you, I was lost, but now I'm found. There was nobody more lost than me. I was blind, but now I see clearly, and there is no turning back. There is not life there. I promise you, there's not. And if you just call on him, he will answer you. Oh, but look at what Psalm 91 says. It gets better. Flip back over to Psalm 91. I am sweating. My hair's going to start curling. <laughs> he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I know what time it is. I promise you I'm finishing. I will be with him in trouble. Oh, he will be with you in trouble. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Here's what I love about this passage. Last week or the week before, we, we, we studied about his angels and how he'd send his angels charge over you. And we pray all the time when we pray for y'all on Monday night. We pray there's angels just stationed around this, uh, the, the, this sanctuary. And, 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 you know, I pray angels around my kids before they leave the house. And uh, angels are sent to protect us. And the Bible says that, that he gives the children, there'll be an angel with them. And uh, angels he sends to protect us, to take charge over us. But here's what I love. He says, when you're in trouble, I will be with you. I ain't sending an angel. I, I'm not sending somebody else. I will be with you when you're in trouble. Just call on me, and I will answer you. He says, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you 
and honor you. I struggled with that word honor because I understand he wants to deliver you. Here, let's park there for a second. Do you know what it means to have a deliverer? Lord, I'm stuck here. I can't get myself out of this. I'm so broken. I, I can't see the light of day, Lord. I can't do this. I can't do this myself. That's a great place to be. Because then you call upon him, he'll answer you, he'll be with you in trouble, and he will, precious one, deliver you. I have been delivered. I have been delivered. You see, that's why I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody finish that, that verse for me. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation means, guess what? Deliverance. Deliverance. That gospel is the power of God unto salvation, unto, deli unto deliverance. <laughs> you got something you need delivered from. Stir yourself to take hold of him. Don't stir yourself to take hold of a bottle. Don't stir yourself to take hold of a syringe. Don't stir yourself to take hold of a slot machine. Don't stir yourself to take hold of Macy's. Don't stir yourself to take hold of a man. Don't stir yourself to take hold of a, a pornography screen. Don't take yourself, don't stir yourself to take hold of a woman or a job or success or money. Oh, stir yourself to take hold of him because he is your deliverer. I tried to get delivered from everything else. Just got me more in bondage. He is your deliverer. But what bothered me is I will deliver him and honor him. And I was like, how are you going to honor me? You see, here, here's what just blows my mind about the love of God. It's not the fear of hell that saved me. It's not the, the fear of being forever separated from him that saved me. Do you know what saved me? Is I came face to face with his unfailing love. That he could know everything about me. That I could slop in the pig pen of life. I could be covered with filth, with pig poop. And I could go home to the Father expecting him to make me a slave. And I could find him running. It is the only time in the word of God that we see God in a hurry. When he sees the prodigal coming home, smelling like pig poop, covered with filth. And the, the prodigal's coming home and God runs. The Father runs to welcome him back home. Do you smell like pig poop tonight? Have you done things you wish you hadn't done? Are you covered with filth and wish you could cleanse yourself? Oh, call on him and he will answer you and head back home to the Father because there's a robe of righteousness waiting for you. And he wants to wrap you in that robe, cover your filth, cleanse you and make you new. He'll honor you. Lord, do you have any idea? <laughs> do you have any idea, Lord? what I've done. Yeah, Rhea, I do. I know your name. I, uh, you see, we might know his name, but he says in so many verses that he knows our name. What did I tell you his name means? His reputation, his fame, his character. I'd be like, Lord, do, do you know what I've done? Yeah, Rhea, I know your reputation. 
who was it in Greece? Chacha? She has the worst reputation in town. Rhea. When Kendall was little, she used to say, she's got the worst peputation in town. I got the worst peputation in town, and he still got a robe and covered me. Everywhere I went, I bumped into his unfailing love. Yes, Rhea, I know what you've did, but I can't wait for you to come back home. Yes, Rhea, I know what you've done, but let me just wrap you in some righteousness. Yes, Rhea, I know what you've done, but if you just call on me, I promise I'll still answer you. Every time I get up to preach, I'm like, Lord, do you have any idea who you are entrusting with your word? Because I know myself. I know that if I don't stir myself to take hold of him, I will take hold of something else. I will head right back to that pig pen. I'll honor you, Rhea. I know what you've done, and I'll still put you in a place of honor. I'll still honor you as my friend. I'll still honor you as my child. I'll honor you. He says, with long life, I will satisfy you. Long life. All the days ordained for you were written in your book before one of them came to be. I wanted that word life. I looked it up. I wanted it to be Zoe because Zoe is is life. It's, the, it's, the, it's, it's life, fullness of life. It's not. That's not the word. It means length of days. I, I look at my, my in-laws, Stuart and Jill, and uh, Stuart just turned, um, he just turned 82 in November. They're in such great shape. They don't really have any health issues at all. Uh, they leave on the 2nd of February to go to Turkey for a month. I'm like, what are you doing there? You, let's just stay in the United States. Turkey. Do we have to go there? They don't stop. Because with long life, he's satisfied them. And I will show him my salvation, my deliverance. But with long life, with length of days, I'll satisfy you, Rhea. And when those length of days are over, I'll show you my salvation, my deliverance to eternity with me. And then life will really just begin. Do you just love his word? That, my friends, is Psalm 91. Will you promise me that you will make it you will be intentional about trying to get to the secret place with him, about trying to dwell in his presence. It's a safe place. I wish I had more time. Can I just take five more minutes? Um, I started out this series, I believe I started out this series today telling uh, about the vision that I had. Um, it was really hard for me to tell because I, I knew that people would think that I had lost my, you know, I was off my rocker, but... I, I will tell you, if I'm exaggerating this one bit, the Lord knocked me over with a lightning bolt because I'm not exaggerating one bit. I didn't make one ounce of this up. You see, the problem with hooky-kooky charismatics is, is sometimes they exaggerate a little bit or they so want to be seen as super spiritual that they'll exaggerate a story and, and then no wonder we're all like, I don't want to be that way. 
but I am not a hooky-kooky charismatic who's, who's exaggerating a story. I'm telling you, this is exactly how it happened. I was getting ready. Um, I was home. My, Dave and the family were at church. It was a Sunday morning. I'd been on the road all weekend. I had to, to get a sermon ready. And so I said, you know what? I've been at church all weekend. I've been preaching all weekend. I'm, on, I'm just going to stay home uh, this Sunday morning. And so I decided at the last minute I would go into church. And so I went upstairs to, to, to get a shower. And I thought, oh, I'll just turn on Food Network. I don't watch TV, but I love to cook. And, and so I thought, I'll, I love Food Network because I get some good recipes there. And, and so I flipped on the television to, to watch Food Network. And I was going to go in to get a shower, come out, watch Food Network as I was putting on my makeup. And, and so I, I saw this, this woman. Her name is... Uh, Sandra Lee or somebody like that and she was cooking and, and uh, what's her what's her show does anybody know it like semi homemade that's what it was and and I was I thought oh that looks like a good little recipe and I just thought oh I'll just sit here for a second and I'll watch semi homemade and I, I thought oh I better get comfortable and I, I pushed my butt back up against the headboard of my bed and I'm just sitting on my bed watching t this woman cook and I could hear her voice, so I knew that, that I was there, but I knew I hadn't fallen asleep because I could still hear Food Network, but, but I was not here. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And, and, and when that happened, immediately, with me still hearing a bit of Food Network, I saw this place, and it was like, I'm not exaggerating, trust me, if I could... You know how much I, I, I hold this word in regard. Hand on the Bible telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And, and I, boom, in front of my eyes are these things that I know are angels. I don't know how I know it, but I know they're angels. They're not what I thought angels would look like. And I saw the whole line of them, and my body, me, Bria, is going down through this line. It's almost like I'm surveying the troops, you know, a general going down through the troops. And I'm moving, but my feet aren't on the ground. And I'm moving just down like a little escalator, moving down these, what I know are angels. And the music, the music was unlike anything I have ever heard in my whole entire life. Uh, David is, David, or David has an ear that he can just hear music and he can put it immediately to notes. He doesn't read music. He just listens and he plays it. I'm telling you, David, Beethoven, Bach, whoever uh, the best musician is around could not have put this to paper, could not have imitated the sound. It was unlike anything I heard. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my whole entire life and so calming and so peaceful. And I'm going down through these, these troops and I realize the angels are singing. And this, the singing is just unbelievable. And, and I get to this last angel and the music stops and I, I know this is a man angel and and he sings and it's beautiful and as he sings he puts his hand out and he puts it on my face and it goes down to my heart and this warmth like overwhelms me and I fall I'm I'm now laying prone on my back now this is before I began Psalm 91 this is what made me teach on Psalm 91 and I'm laying there floating in the air Flat on my back. I don't care what you think. I'm telling you, this is the honest to God's truth. And, and the love that I feel is unlike anything in this 
whole wide world. I can't even describe, my man loves me. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. My man loves me. And it didn't even compare to Dave's love. Dave's love was nothing, pale, nuts, zilch. And it just was like it overwhelmed me. And peace, I wasn't afraid. I was so filled with peace. And I just wanted to stay there. And, and you have to know that up until this time, I talked to you about fear of death. I, I was a little tiny bit afraid of dying. And I thought to myself, if this, is, this must be death, I, I, I no longer can hear semi-homemade, and I'm pretty sure I'm dead. And Dave is going to come home from church, and he and Kendall, I had always feared leaving my children. He and Kendall are going to find me dead on the bed, and it's going to be okay. I just knew it was going to be okay. I didn't even really care. I just I knew they would be fine, and baby, I was fine. Just let me stay there. And then just as the, the music, the, the fella stops singing, and all of a sudden these arms or wings or something come over me. It was glorious. And it comes over me down to about my waist. I'm laying down to about my waist, and it fill, it covers me, completely covers me, and all that are sticking out of my little legs, and then he pushes me back into him, and I like feel like I melt back into whatever it was that I knew. I absolutely 100% knew was God. I couldn't see him, but I felt him, and those big, strong arms or wings, whatever it was, I, I flew back into him, and I'm like, Lord, I, I'm not talking out loud. I'm just thinking it, and he's answering me. And we're having this conversation that didn't include any words coming out of my mouth. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, Rhea, you are hidden with Christ in God. You're hidden with God in Christ. And, and that's what I was. I was hidden. And I was like, this is glorious. This is unlike anything I have ever felt in my life, and I just wanted to stay there. And then just that quick, I could feel my body still laying there, and I could feel myself come out. And I knew that I was going back to that bed. And I, I heard in my mind, I'm talking in my mind to God. And I'm like, no, 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 don't. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I mean, I'm, I'm hiding. No, 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 please don't let me. And I, there was nothing in me that wanted to go back. These are my babies. I am a mother of seven. I got a man that I adore. I really like what I do. And I was like, there's nothing in me that wants to go. Please don't make me go back. And, and I'm like, Lord, what is that? I can still see my body laying there, but I know I'm going back. How honest to God, I know it sounds crazy, but I swear to you, I'm not exaggerating. And, and, and all of a sudden, I say to the Lord, well, I see the body, my body still laying there, and I'm like, Lord, what is that? Why am I still there, but I'm going back? And he said, Rhea, this is where you always are. This is your position in me. You are hidden with, with God in Christ Jesus. You, you are hidden in me. You are That safety that you felt, Rhea, you can feel that all the time when you go back because this is the position you are always in. You have not moved from that position just because your spirit is going back. And I got back and I, if I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I got back and boom, and it was like, I felt like I hit, I hit a brick wall and, and there was this thud and my eyes popped open on the bed. I am not kidding you. I'm not athletic, but I jumped out of that bed and there's a bathroom right off my bedroom and I flew into the bathroom and I sat down on the toilet. The, the seat was down and I sat down and I was like, what was that, Lord? What was that? I mean, I am like hysterical. 
And, and, but here's what I know, is that the sense of that love and the sense of that peace and safety and security, the music is fading. Even as I sit there, I'm losing it. I'm like, Lord, please just let me hang on to that feeling. I just want to hang I promise I'll tell everybody about it. Just let me hang on. And it was already fading. I was already losing it. Psalm 91 is what I got right into. The shelter of his wings. His secret place. Hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Do you know how safe you are in that place? How secure you are. How much you're loved and adored by him. It's a place of great safety. That's the position, if you know Christ, that you are always in. Hidden with him. World, bring at me what you want to bring at me, but you can't move me from that place. I am safe in him. I am secure in him. I, am, I got all the love I need in him. And nothing is moving me from that position. Do you know what? I had been praying about a fear of man for a long time, and I, I left that, that I got, after that vision. I believe it was a vision. I don't know what it was. I didn't fear man much anymore after that. Because I was like, you know what? Touch me. I'm hidden. I'm safe. Mess with me. You've got to go through him to get to me. Watch out. That, my friends, is Psalm 91. You are hidden, safe and secure with him. Nothing can touch you that doesn't have to go through him. And he will be with you in trouble. Just call on him and he will answer you and he will deliver you. And with long life, he will satisfy you and show you, precious one, his salvation. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your promises, that they are yea and amen to us who believe. Lord, I believe you. I believe when you say, if I call, you'll answer. I believe you will be with me in trouble. I believe you will deliver me. I believe there's no satisfaction outside of you. I believe you're my shelter and my refuge. And I believe, Lord, that I am safe and secure, hidden in you. And we just give you praise, Lord, honor and glory, that you are even mindful of us. Oh, Lord, help us this week to be mindful of you to set our minds on the things above and not on the things on earth. Where we are seated with you, Lord, in heavenly places. And because the earth is your footstool and everything is under your feet, therefore, everything is under ours. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website 
www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ. Thank you.